Okay, as we begin, we're going to talk about spiritual complaints today, okay? So let me, first of all, as we begin, I just want to say a couple of things. So, you know, I've had a little bit of feedback saying, okay, George, you know that those lessons have been good and that information's good, but you haven't brought any Bible into this yet. And you're right, I haven't. And that was purposeful on my part, okay? The reason why is sometimes you have to have a diagnosis before you have the treatment. Did you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to know what the issue is and what others are trying to do about it that's not working before you get to the solution. And so when we talk about the drifting thing that's taking place in my life and in your life and in our church and in other churches, you kind of need to stop for a moment and talk about what the problem is before you just go running into the Bible to look for a solution. you got to acknowledge that there's a problem. And folks, there is a problem. Okay, I was just talking with another pastor this week. I talked to several, I have a lot of friends who are pastors and we interact with each other. And, and they were expressing some things that are happening in their church that is exactly what we're talking about here. And, and I thought, are, are you on Kerwinsville water? And no, they're, they're not on Kerwinsville water. So it isn't in the water, okay? So it's not the water, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we don't all eat, the, eat at the same food trough, okay? So it's not that, all right? So what what is it? It's a spiritual issue, and that's what we came to last week. So last week I gave you, I read to you 10 points of biblical revival. So it was suggested to me, and I thought it was a really good suggestion, uh, to put those on a half sheet of paper. And, and at the front, at the top of it, I said, pray and ask the Lord that these points would be evident in our church. Okay? So they are located up here. Okay? They're located up here. I would encourage you to pick one of those up. Just read over it. It's not a prayer request. This is just simply telling you what's evident in a church where God's Spirit is really working. And when you read this list, you're going to be like, wow, I wish that was evident in our church and all churches, okay? So I would encourage you to pick pick that up, okay? Now, having said that, let me, we talked about solutions last week and what we can do, and we came to the conclusion of, you know, biblical revival. It has to be revival, okay? Not the revival that you hear on the news, revive America, but revive the church, okay? It's got to start with the church first. So the first thing I want to talk about is, are we part of the solution? Are you and I part of the solution to the problem? Because we can look at it and say, oh yeah, that's a problem, but that has nothing to do with me. No, 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 you're a part of the church. Every one of us is a part of the church here, okay? So what you decide impacts all of us as well as what I decide. Do you understand? So the question is, is are we part of the solution? So here's what I want to do. A couple, three things I want to point out here. First of all, recognizing the problem is only the first step. So we just spent two weeks talking about the problem, what maybe the solution might be. That's, that's only the first step, okay? Recognizing the problem is only the first step. And you and I need to realize that, okay? We need to realize that. 
The problem isn't that there's a new church in town that everybody's going to. First of all, everybody's not going to the new church in town. Okay? Just letting you know that. There's no way possible that that could be true. That the amount of people who are not coming to church are now going to that church. They would be taking over a part of a county if that were true. Okay? But they're not. All right? So recognizing the problem is the is only the first step. Here's it. Each of us has to decide if we are a part of the solution. So this is a personal choice now. When you look at the issue, because we're so used to having somebody else come and solve problems for us, right? That's why we elect politicians. That's why we have troubleshooters at our work and so forth. We have we hire consultants. We do all this stuff, and, and we basically say, somebody else will solve this for us, right? Well, no, no, with this issue, because it is the church and the organic nature of the church, each of us has to decide if we are part of the solution, okay? We're part of the solution. So here's my third point, okay? Thankfully, the Bible presents how God's people have faced the situation that we're facing. So we can go to the Bible. Because what we're facing right now, folks, isn't unique. What we're dealing with in our own spiritual lives isn't something that just all of a sudden happened and we're the only ones going through it. This has happened multiple times through history, multiple times in the New and Old Testament, especially the Old Testament with God's people Israel. So we can look at God's word and figure out what we need to do, okay? Figure out what we need to do. So today, we're going to look at the problem. Well, I thought that's what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. No, no, we're going to look even deeper than that surface issue. And we're going to look at some complaints. Everybody know what complaints are? especially those of you who are in business, you never have to deal with complaints ever, do you? Right? Complaints are a part of our life. We have complaint departments, complaint boxes. And, and in this days, we have the Internet, which is filled with nothing but complaints, right? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. The Bible, especially in the Old Testament, has God's complaints. Do you realize that God has some complaints about his people? I, I, I thought he just forgives. Well, he does. But there are some things that weary him. That there are some things that grate on him that we do. You may not have ever thought of that before, but there are some things that bother him. In fact, the New Testament would say is that we grieve the Holy Spirit. We quench the Holy Spirit. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start off, first of all, we're going to look at three different passages. We're going to look at the Old Testament, two passages in the Old Testament, and we're going to look at one passage in the New Testament, and you're going to do it in your groups. So I would like for you to break up in your groups right now. Go ahead and break up in your groups, and I'm going to put the questions up here as you're breaking up. Okay, so here is here are the questions I want you to look at. Okay, here's the questions. 
I want you to read Malachi chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. You're actually going to see two series of complaints here. You're going to see God complaining, and you're also going to see the people of Israel complaining. And I want you to ask the question, what are the complaints? How does God respond? Okay? What are the complaints? How does God respond? Then I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 43, verses 22 through 26. Read that. What is the complaint? And what does God call them to do? All right? And then you say, well, that's a lot of Old Testament. I want you to go to the New Testament now, to Revelation chapter 3, and I want you to read verses 15 through 20, and I want you to see what is the Lord's complaint. This is Jesus' complaint. And then what does Jesus call them to do? So this is what I want you to work on, okay? So go ahead and start. It should be pretty obvious as you're reading this. There won't be a lot of discussion as far as the particulars, but I'd like for you to read these passages together and uh, figure this out. And then we're going to talk about the complaints. There's actually three of them, okay? Three of them. Now, remember, a little bit earlier I said to you, I said, each of us has to decide if we are part of the solution. So when we talk about this issue from here on out, we're going to talk about it in, in a general sense in the church, but we're going to talk about it in an individual sense, okay? And so what we're going to do with our lessons from this point on is to look at you in light of God's word, okay? Because... It's meaningless to say, let's look at the church in light of God's word, because you are the church, okay? And we see very clearly in 1 Corinthians that if one of us hurts, we all hurt. So if one of us isn't right, we're all not right. Do you understand? And, and sometimes we have to guard our hearts against spiritual pride, which would say, well, I'm doing okay. This really isn't affecting me. No, no, that's why we're looking at the scripture, Okay. So we're looking at three complaints today, and, and it's it's amazing. There are actually more complaint passages in the Scripture. We just went through the first five books of the Old Testament. Remember when we went through there? God had some serious complaints about the people of Israel all the time, right? And you actually saw some of his reactions. I want to wipe them out. Thankfully, he doesn't do that with us, right? Okay. But what we can do with some of these complaint passages is use them to personally examine our lives. So I'm going to go through each one of the complaints. And if you have a sheet when you came in, you'll notice that there is a personal question there. And I'll go through the personal questions with you, but I don't want you to answer them here. I want you to take them home with you. And during the week... Ask yourself that question, am I part of the solution? And if you answer that, then you start looking at these personal questions and you let God's Spirit guide you through these questions, okay? So let's, let's go through this. We're going to look at the first complaint. Malachi chapter 2 is possibly the last prophet that is, the book is the last book that was written during this time period. This is after Israel has come back to the land after the Babylonian captivity. This is after they supposedly got their act together. 
But God's got some complaints about them, and the complaint is is that God is not responding. It's actually the complaint of the people. God is not responding to them. Sounds familiar, right? We might say to ourselves, well, I don't see God answering my prayer, and, and I don't see him doing this, and I don't see, I mean, it's just, just no life. God's presence isn't with us. So God's not responding. And so there's basically two complaints within this one complaint passage, okay? So let's take a look at them. First of all, Israel complained that God was not paying attention to their prayers and offerings. They were covering the altar, it says, with tears. They were wanting God to respond to them. And so you and I can get that way. We can get to the place where we're like, well, God, you're not hearing me. You're not answering me. Okay? So Israel complained that God was not paying attention to their prayers and their offerings. Now, here's the issue. The Lord responded to that complaint. The Lord responded. Now, listen to this. The Lord stated that his silence was due to their unfaithfulness in their marriages. He's flat out saying here, I'm not listening to you because you haven't been faithful to the wife of your youth. It's your sin that's causing me not to listen to you. Specifically here, he's talking about the sin of unfaithfulness among these Israelites with regards to their marriages. Yeah, I saw a hand back there. Well, in this, in this passage, it's an adultery issue. Okay? Okay, it's an adultery issue. But I'm going to give you a couple of more passages. So if you look there, I'm going to give you two scriptures, okay? This one, guys, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be what? Hindered. So how you treat your wife affects your prayer life. Now the ladies are saying, wow. Yeah, but you're not off the hook either. Because here's what Psalm 66 says. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. You understand? The point is, if you and I are living in sin, whatever the sin is, Usually when we say living in sin, we'll say, oh, that's not a problem with me. I'm not drinking. No, but maybe you got an attitude. Maybe you're a complainer, a grumbler. A, you know, there, there's a whole list of sins we could go through. I'm sure somebody's tacked on something that they could, and it, it, it sticks when you look at all the complaints God has about sin. Do you understand? In fact, go to Proverbs, seven sins that God hates. One of them is lying. Okay. But let's just go on. So if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Now there's a second complaint in this passage. It's actually from Israel again. Israel complained that they were doing nothing to weary the Lord. They're like, oh, you know, wait a minute, Lord God, we're not doing anything that's wrong. That you would be bothered by it. We can get that attitude, right? I'm a Christian. I'm forgiven. Isn't that the one we always throw out there? I'm forgiven. 
I'm, I'm, I'm in, I've got that forgiveness thing. It's not bothering you, Lord. Look at what the Lord says. Israel had wearied the Lord with their empty spirituality that justified their sinful lifestyles. God says, you guys are just living a, a lie. You're living a lie. That's what's going on here. Okay? This is his complaint. You know, they have this form of spirituality. And yet they're doing something else. It's interesting. Paul talks about that in the New Testament, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. The very next verse says, stay away from those kind of people. You and I are to stay away from people who call themselves believers, who have a form of godliness, that they look spiritual, but their, their lives deny that spirituality. You and I are to stay away from them. So here's the personal question you got to ask yourself this week. You can start asking yourself right now. Is the Lord responding to you? That shouldn't take long to figure out. How's your prayer life? Is God answering your prayer? When you talk with him and you're in the midst of a crisis, do you sense his peace? Isn't that what he said? Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Are you sensing God responding to you? Is this connected to the sin that you are justifying in your life? This is I've got to, I've got to ask myself that. You've got to ask yourself that. Is this because you're justifying something? And let me just stop for a moment. Legalistic churches make lists of sins that you can check off to make sure you're doing okay with. But we're not a legalistic church because the fact of the matter is, is I don't know what your sin issue is. Some things are evident, but for a lot of us who've been Christians for a long time, we're good at covering them. I'm good at covering them. But you know what they are, and the Spirit of God knows what they are. And so if he's not responding to you or I, it's incumbent upon you and I to ask ourselves, well, is it because of this sin issue that I'm justifying? You know what I'm saying? I'm justifying. Well, you know, and our natural response is, well, I'm not as bad as that other guy. Who cares about the other guy? You're talking about yourself because it goes back to the question, are you part of the solution? Am I part of the solution? Okay, let's go on. The second complaint, it's in Isaiah. Okay, Isaiah's passage goes on, and the complaint. Here's what Israel was complaining. Excuse me, here's what God, Israel had forgotten God and no longer sought the Lord and worshipped him. When you look at that passage, God is saying, you guys have forgotten me. And you're no longer seeking me. And you're no longer worshiping me. You're no longer bringing the offerings I've asked you to bring, the Lord says to Israel. So, I mean, three things. They've forgotten him. It's easy to do, isn't it? No longer seeking him. I'm just too busy. And no longer worshiping him. I've got other things that are more, that are, that are higher on the priority list. So here's what goes on. Yet the Lord says, I'm still burdened. 
with your sins. God's saying, okay, so you forget me. You're not worshiping me. You're not seeking after me, but I still have to put up with your sins. Okay, is that true for us here? Would everybody agree with that? God's still got to put up with our sins? Unless we have perfect people here. All of us sin, right? And we sin without even knowing it. God says, you have forgotten me. I'm the one who blots out this stuff. And yet you forget me and I still have to put up with your sin. I still have to put up with your sin. So here's what the Lord calls them to do. Okay, The Lord reminds them that he is the one who forgives and forgets their sins. He's the one who forgets and forgives you. Excuse me, the job doesn't forget or forgive, does it? The Little League team doesn't forget or forgive. Your TV show doesn't forget or forgive. Now, why are you bringing all that up, George? I'm just saying, I'm just listing things. Hunting doesn't forgive and forget. Do you understand? I'm just bringing out things to you that distract us from our God. And, you know, video gaming doesn't, you know, do you understand? All this other stuff that we get distracted by doesn't forgive and forget us our sins. There's only one person who forgives and forgets us our sin. Who's that, folks? God, Jesus. And we should take some time to interact with him, right? Do you know what I'm saying? So the Lord is reminding them that he's the one who forgives and forgets their sins. The Lord calls them to remember him and interact with him. Remember him. So what, like when I'm reading this passage, first thing that goes through my mind for George, okay, I'm not talking about you, I'm going through me, okay? Huh. Are you taking time out today, George, to spend time with him? Are you talking with him? Are you talking with him about what's going on in your life? Are you seeking forgiveness? Those are things that I have to wrestle with. You know what they are for you. So here's the personal question. Does your life reflect an intimacy the Lord or do you exist without him? Does your life reflect an intimacy with the Lord or let's just be honest, or do you just simply exist without him? Because I let's be honest, our lives are so regimented that we can basically just get up and go through the motions of the day and never think about God at all. Unless there's a crisis. Or we need a parking place at Walmart. Did you understand what I'm saying? So, does your life reflect an intimacy with the Lord, or do you exist without Him? So let's look at the third complaint. We're going to do the uh, all the way to the book of Revelation now. Okay? This is in the seventh letter to the church at Laodicea. Here's the complaint. The Laodicean church had become useless to the Lord. Uh, it should be, I don't know where him came from. That was a typo there, okay? The Laodicean church had become useless to the Lord because in my notes and in your notes, that with him is not there, okay? All right? Uh, 
the Laodicean church had become useless to the Lord. He says, you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. And that's the illustration of the Laodiceans. They didn't have a source of water. So they either had water coming from an area where there were hot springs, or they had water coming from it, they had to pipe it in from an area where they had water which was cool. By the time it got to Laodicea, it was pretty lukewarm. And going through clay pipes, you can almost guess the quality of the water. It wasn't good. So they had become useless. All right? Here's the other one. The church had become self-sufficient and spiritually blind to their true condition. They had talked about, they had, they, we're, we're okay. We got, we got wealth. Jesus said, yeah, but you're spiritually blind. You don't even see your own problems. You don't even see your own problems. You don't even see the things that you're struggling with. You don't truly see where you're at. Spiritual blindness, folks, it's real easy to be spiritual blind. So here's what Jesus tells him to do. Number one, the Lord told him to seek true riches from him. Seek true spiritual riches from him. Okay? Seek true spiritual riches from him. Here's the other one. They were to seek healing for their spiritual blindness. They were to seek healing from him. Come to me for the ointment that you rub on your eyes. They were to seek healing from him for their spiritual blindness. You and I need to go to the Lord and say, God, I can't see everything. Help me to see. Help me to see. And then finally, the Lord is calling them to an intimacy with him. This passage we often use in evangelism, it is not an evangelistic passage. It says that he's knocking on the door of the church and he wants them to open up the door so he can come in and have a meal with them. In this culture, it's even true in our culture, having a meal with somebody is a pretty intimate thing. Do you know what I'm saying? We get a rug, get together, we, we chew on a piece of pizza together, not the same piece of pizza, but we chew on a pizza, and you know what I'm saying? And we have, you know, we, we fellowship together. It's the same thing. Jesus is saying, I'm knocking at the door, let me in, I'll come in and dine with you. I'll have intimacy with you. That's what he wants. Jesus wants to interact with you and I. So here's the, here's the personal question. What is affecting your impact for the Lord? What's affecting you impacting others around you, whether it's at work or in your family, even in our church? What's affecting your impact? Well, you might be saying, well, I don't have an impact. Well, there may be a reason why you don't have an impact. You need to think about that. Okay? And then, are you responding to his invitation to intimacy with you? Remember I shared this in the, in the message last week? I shared about one of the biggest regrets I have for my, my first church is that even in the midst of all the chaos that was going on at that church, I sense very clearly God saying to me, spend time with me. Spend time with me, George. Come talk to me. He tugs at our hearts, folks. But we get so busy with what we're doing. He's knocking at the door. We need to let him in. So that's a personal question you need to wrestle with. Okay? Now, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to Take this piece of paper and think through these complaints and say to yourself, am I part of the solution? 
And what that means is, is you look at these questions and you start asking the Holy Spirit to reveal in your life, because I'm going to be doing it in my life, okay, God, we got to stop this drift. we got to get back to you. i got to get back to you. Start showing me some things here. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of them are not going to be nice things he shows us. But you got to remember 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is redemption because Jesus paid it all. So you could just walk forward. Did you understand what I'm saying? You can walk forward, but you got to talk to him and you got to start fresh. That's what we want to do, right? We want to start fresh. And B, seeing him do the things that we talked about on this piece of paper. But it's got to start with us. Okay? It's got to start with us.